priority is Jesus Christ. And with with salvation, I think the biggest rut that we can face in our lives is is getting out of the rut of unbelief. So Jesus calls this the one unpardonable sin. The one sin that can't be forgiven is not believing on Jesus Christ as their Savior. So we're a slave to sin without without our Savior, without Him. And this is the this is the biggest initial rut to get out of because our natural tendency as humans is to try to do things on our own, right? We, we think we can do things on our own way. We think we can rely on our own righteousness and our, and our own grace to get us through. But Isaiah 64 tells us our righteousness is as filthy rags. We cannot, it's, it's, it's basically worthless to, to try to achieve things on our own. Romans 3 reiterates this point as well too that um, our natural tendency is to be apart from God, to try to do things on our own way. It says in Romans 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Can't read it from that far away. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. All have sinned, all right? This is kind of where the Romans road starts. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as it says later in this chapter. So, without Jesus Christ, we there's none righteous. We cannot achieve salvation on our own. So, getting out of that initial biggest rut of unbelief is of utmost importance, okay? Once we do get out of that rut of unbelief, though, once we are a child of the king, things really begin to change, though, don't they? All right? We can begin to serve him. It says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please him. So once we have Jesus Christ in our lives, we have a choice of whether or not we want to be in this rut of sin, Okay? Just like it says in Joshua 24, choose this day whom you will serve. And then I love how, how he finishes it up. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we have a choice of whether we want to be in that rut or not. All right? So most of you are believers here. Are common, are you, you're, you are churchgoers by, by nature. You have Jesus Christ in your lives. Um, so we have that choice of whether or not we want to be in a rut or whether or not we want to live out our faith. So, living intentionally, remember, is our point. And being a child of the king is important, all right? So, it never really refers to, in the Bible, as having the actual term childlike faith, all right? But Jesus definitely refers to it um, when he says having faith as a child, okay? And this isn't to say that we are to be immature in our faith, um, but it is it does have that theme of meekness and humility, right? Basically what Jesus is saying when he's, when he's telling us to, to accept him as a, child, as a child does is that the way up, the way to greatness, like the disciples were bickering about themselves, between themselves, the way to greatness, the way up is down. So down is referring to that humility piece, all right? And the thing about kids 
if we've all been kids, right? If you're, if you're not a kid still, I think, I, I, Carly, you're the youngest one here, it looks like. <laughs> 10? 11. Oh, I guess low, sorry. So, kids don't get in ruts, all right? If you've been, you've been a kid, you have kids, they don't get in ruts. Why is that? They're always learning, absolutely. They're always passionate about, about the world. They're asking questions, they don't let their ego and their, and their, and their pride get in the way of, of asking questions and learning more. So we want to take a lesson from kids. We want to be humble in our faith. And I was growing, and I was looking, I was looking for more knowledge and, and growing closer to Jesus Christ. Okay? What about when we're in a rut as a believer? Let's turn, let's turn back a little bit. We'll go to Romans 1. What if we're in a rut as a believer? This is, a, this is kind of a perspective change that we, need to, that we need to go through in that we need to realize that living in a rut as a believer in Jesus Christ is completely contrary to, to what faith is all about. Um, you think of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control. And I went through those and... I tried to find kind of the opposites of, of, of what those things were and the opposites of the fruits of the Spirit. Hate, sadness. Read your own writing, Charlie. Quitter, all right? In distress, you're violent, you're evil, you're prideful, you're impulsive, okay? These are all signs of somebody who's, who's in a rut in your life, who's in, who's in, if you're in a rut. Um, and when you're in a rut, Yes, you're still alive, you're still breathing, you're still taking in nutrients, but are you alive? Are you actually, are you actually living a life of, of purpose? So, if you feel, like, if you feel like, like you're in a rut, realize that that's, that's the opposite of what, of what Jesus wants for your life, all right? We want to wake up, all right? We want to get off the autopilot. We want to get off the cruise control. Remember, you driving back and forth to work each day? You can look back on on your drive and be like, I don't even remember where if I drove. I don't even remember going there. Like, what what even happened? You're on, you're on complete autopilot. Um, we want to get on fire, okay? We want to live by faith, as it says in Romans Romans sixteen Romans chapter one verse sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. All right. So the gospel is what we're talking about here. And then in verse 17, it says, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Okay, so verse 17 tells us that if, if we're in the gospel, the word of God is telling us that if we spend time in it, that the righteousness of God is going to be revealed to us. All right? So we get to know him more and more by spending time in our, in our Bibles. So we need to read it, we need to study it, and we need to talk to the one who, who gave it to us. Um, very basic, right? Nothing new, but very important to live intentionally. You have to set aside that time to do those things, right? Um, Philippians 3, let's turn there. And just the importance of, 
just the importance of staying focused too. Um, Jesus tells us in Luke 9, 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay, that's telling us a couple things. Don't look back, right? Our focus should be centered forward, right? We have one focus, that's the cross, that's Jesus Christ. And we want to be fit for the kingdom of God, correct? Amen? All right? So we're having that focus of eternally focused. We're not focused on the here and now. We want to see others come and and accept Christ as their Savior too. So we are recruiting others for the gospel. We are focused on on God's kingdom and building that. All right? We, we don't want to be tangled up in what in what this world has to offer. We want to lay aside those weights, right? I often compare things to running. If you, if you have any extra weight, it's going to hold you back. So just like our faith in Christ, don't let sin hold you back. Lay it aside, Hebrews 12 tells us. In Philippians 3, verse 12, it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may hold of, of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's telling us here, we need to reach. We need to press. It's not time, this this world is not a time for us to relax and stay and stay, take it easy. It's time to reach forward and just don't settle for anything. We want to be content in what we have here because this world doesn't have anything to offer it in regards to eternity. But in the same, in the same manner, we want to press and strive for, for godliness and for serving him. So, number one, live intentionally. Okay? Number two, the, the ones who are in youth group on Wednesday have a little heads up on this one. It is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Okay, let's turn to Luke verse or Luke chapter nine. So, like like I said in the like I said in the beginning, one one definition of a rut can be a behavior that has become dull and unprofitable, unprofitable, unproductive, but is hard to change. Okay, and that ruts are really a, a comfort zone in our in our lives that we don't want to that we don't want to stay in. Okay, surgery. Anybody had surgery before? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, so what happens with surgery is after you've had it, there is a time after surgery where you can't do anything, right? Other than your body healing on its own, it's dull, it's really boring, it's unproductive, it feels like you can't do anything, okay? And then once you get the go-ahead, to start doing things after surgery, is it comfortable or uncomfortable? Uncomfortable? Painful? It, it's very painful. Absolutely. So, it's unpainful, unpainful for, or it is painful for a while. It is uncomfortable. But eventually, you work into those things. You get a little bit better. You improve. All right? You heal. Um, and eventually those things that became uncomfortable, 
they begin to become second nature to us. They don't become uncomfortable anymore. And that's what we're after here. It's you may need to get out of your comfort zone for a little bit, but once you're out of your comfort zone and you're out there putting yourself on the line, it becomes something that becomes a second nature thing to us. All right? So I tried to find this world is not my home in the hymnal. All right? We aren't, we aren't um, this isn't our home here. Um, we're just passing through. So I want, if, if you guys know it, it's not in the hymn book, but let's all sing this world is not our home together, all right? So just the first verse and the chorus, how about that? All right? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. All right, some of you may have been uncomfortable singing a cappella like that too. So getting uncomfortable with being, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. So this world is not our home. Our home is our comfort zone, right? We can go to our home and be ourselves, um, let loose, just kind of decompress from our day and be who we truly are, all right? We have our home here on earth, and that is, a, that, is a, that is a special time when we can do those things. Um, but this is not our permanent home. So we should, we should be looking upward for where our home is. Um, there's discomfort in the Bible all over the place. And we are called to be, to be living a life of sacrifice, to living a life of, of dying. Um, tells us, it tells us in Luke 9. Let's look at it. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus tells us, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So it's a daily daily decision to take up our cross daily, to die to ourselves and follow Christ. Again, living that childlike faith, staying humble, um, dying isn't, isn't a pleasant thing, but it tells us that in order to live for Christ, that is what our attitude has to be like. It tells us on, in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay? That dying part doesn't seem pleasant, but there is that silver lining. It says, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So suffering is also commonplace in the Bible, not just not only death. Um, there are a lot of lot of different examples of suffering. I, I think of Job. The whole the whole chapter is devoted to to what happened to him. All right, the death of his family, the loss of his possessions, his herds, um, his health. I think of Joseph, who was sold by his sold by his brothers into slavery, who was put into jail falsely. Um, we think of David, who was God's anointed, who had to run for his life time and time again from King Saul. We think of the, the disciples and how nearly all of them died for their, died for their faith, um, where martyrs were in consistent persecution. Um, 
Paul is a great example too. Beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, you name it, he went through it. Um, And then we think of our Savior Jesus who was constantly ridiculed, tortured, and, and crucified. And the list goes on and on and on. I think of Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of, the Faith Hall of Fame. Who, who didn't in that, in that whole chapter not go through any sort of suffering or, or persecution there? Um, and it's a guarantee. The Bible tells us, 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It is a guarantee that if you choose to live a life of discomfort, live a life of faith, that persecution is going to happen. Unfortunately, all right, we live in the United States of America, all right? This is, a, this is a very comfortable nation. And we have a challenging, we have a challenging tasks, task in that um, we have it pretty cushy here. So it's, it's, it's honestly it's almost like a shame. I, I, I think of Stephen Mwindi when he, was, when he would be here and um, our missionary to Kenya and preaching preaching his message that he, I, the thing that sticks out to me that what he said is um, the Christian life isn't, isn't a comfortable life, but it's a good life, all right? And he knows it way more than we know it. We know what that means because they have to step out in faith over there. Over here, we've, we, don't, we don't get ridiculed for our faith. Our lives aren't on the line we're rarely under duress. But that's not to say we aren't to prepare ourselves, right? We, we want to be prepared for that test if and when it comes. And I say when because, more emphasis on the when, because remember that guarantee that that's, that persecution is going to happen. Um, so the test is coming. But if you prepare for it, it's like a test in school. School is starting up soon. If you prepare for it, are you ready? Are you are you excited to take it? I I'm excited to take a test when when I've prepared for it because I know I'm going to do well. Quite the opposite. If you aren't preparing for that test, you're absolutely terrified because a lot a lot rides on the line there. Okay, so prepare for the test that we have at hand. Um, and it seems the the whole idea of suffering and and dying it's like there's no rest for the weary. It's like well where do we find our rest? You know, I can't, I can't find the, I can't find the rest on this, on this earth. Well, where should I turn to? God just tells us to turn to him, all right? Living in, living in faith for him. Think of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's my, it's my, uh, my um, cross-country coach. We would have prayer meetings um, the night before a cross-country race, and he would always recite, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love, I love the prayer and the relying on him for in verse 6, but I also love the peace that passes all understanding. There's a lot of smart people out here. Uh, you, guys, you guys are all pretty smart, right? Right. All right. So, even though no matter how smart we get, the peace that passes all understanding, we cannot even comprehend it. It's amazing. And it says, Jesus even tells us in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. All those people that we talked about, Job, David, Joseph, all those guys, 
they relied on God in in their moment of in their moment of trial. All right. So I love I love what Joe. Let's turn to Job twenty three. I love what um, what Job says here about about um, trials and tribulations that he's going through. Trials come from trials and testing. They come from many different sources. They come from they come from obviously the one who rules the, rules this earth right now, Satan. They come from unbelievers testing your faith. All right, that's why it's important for us to have our have our um, have our defense at the ready at all times. It comes from even other believers. If somebody may believe something different than you, maybe they're they're more mature than you, or even less mature than you in their faith, but have questions. Are you able to test your faith and be at the ready to give answers, or you know, change the way that change the way that you believe something one way or another? You're not changing the way you believe in Jesus Christ, but you may may be able to expound on on what your faith is. Um, God tests our faith too, as it tells us in Job twenty three. Here it tells us in verse eight: Look, I go forward, but he is not there; and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Job's telling us right here that he can't perceive where God's at, right? Sometimes during the test, well, all the times during a test, if you're in the classroom, the teacher's quiet, all right? He's, he's maybe walking up, and down the, walking up and down the aisles, but he's got nothing to say, all right? That's how God is sometimes in our lives too, in that we don't know why we don't know why we're being put through this test, and God may seem like He's a million miles away, but He's He's He hasn't left us. Okay, verse eleven. My foot has held fast to His steps. I have kept His way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. Okay even though that Job doesn't sense that God is there, he's still staying faithful to him. But he is unique and who can make him change. And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. For God made my heart weak, and the Almighty terrifies me, because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, and he did not hide deep darkness from my face. There's a lot of rich stuff there, guys. But it's worth it being tested. Romans 8 parallels this very well. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We are weak. When we are weak, he is made strong. It tells us that Job's, Job's heart was made weak. All right, so that he can rely on God and such things. Okay, so be prepared, be in, embrace testing. All right, because it's how we grow. All right, um, and there's rewards for it too. Even Second Timothy four tells us that that there's a crown of righteousness for those who have fought the good fight, who have finished the race, who have kept the faith. It tells us in James one, three and four. Count it all joy when you, can, when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's kind of opposite of what we think of as humans, that I'm going through this suffering, I'm going through this, this distress and this despair, and why would I be joyful in those situations? But Jesus calls us, calls us in his word to, to be joyful in those things, and not just a fake joy, but a true joy that can only be found in him. Um, 1 Peter 4 parallels this really well. 1 Peter 4 First Peter 4, verse 12 tells us, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though, as though some strange thing happened to you. It's not strange that you go through these trials and these tribulations, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. <laughs> Again, that theme of joy amidst trials is just, prevalent throughout the word of God. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Your joy should become should come when testing and your your glory still goes to God, no matter what this what circumstances you go through. Okay, so we are to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. All right, we are to live intentionally our life of faith. All right, and number three, we are to get involved. Okay. So let's turn to well, we don't have to turn anywhere because we're already in First Peter. But getting involved, there are times when we're in a rut, right? And we need help to get out of it, right? Just like we can't accept Jesus Christ of our own strength and will, we need to rely on him. We can't have any other way of salvation. We may need help to get out of a rut in our lives. Okay? I think of back in my high school days when I decided to take the family safari van for a little joyride, all right? And it was after baseball practice, and I said, come on, guys, let's all pile in the van. We're going to go for a little ride. And I had been testing the limits of the van earlier that spring and, you know, ridden it up a couple hills and, you know, just, just, just testing it. Um, but we piled all eight. We piled a, a, a total of eight guys in the van, and um, there was a snowmobile trail out back, by the by the baseball field, so we decided to go back there, and uh, we did we did okay for a little bit, you know, like a like a snowmobile trail during the summertime. It's got those two ruts in it, right? Just like we're talking about ruts here, and so we're doing all right for a little bit. Unfortunately, it had gotten a little wet, wet and rainy along earlier that week, and so there were some puddles. And initially, we thought the puddles were cool. Um, then we come to a puddle that um, was a little deeper than anticipated, and boom, the van bottoms out. And so we're off in the middle of the woods with this van. I had to call for help. First, I had to call my dad to say, hey, we need a ride back to the, back to the locker room because, you know, we got the whole team with us, essentially. And um, we get back, and there was, ironically, uh, an honors banquet that night that I was invited to. 
a lot of honor I got to show by uh, getting the band stuck. But there were sponsors at this um, at this banquet, and we happened to be um, sitting at the same table as the owner of Proctor Builder Supply, Just Ask Rental. All right, and so we were we were talking, and eventually we got on this discussion of the van. All right. The van is stuck in the woods. We don't know how we're going to get it out. We'll figure it out. I don't know. And he's like, well, I got a, I got a mini, mini backhoe that I could help, help get out with. So um, after, after, the, after the honors banquet, he drives out there with that mini backhoe and hooks the chain up to the, to the hitch, lifts the thing right out of there. Sometimes, in order to get out of a rut, we need help. All right? We can't do it all by ourselves. Okay? First Peter Chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, just ahead of what we, what we just read. It says, verse 10, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, those gifts are not for ourselves. They're, they're for others. They're ultimately for Jesus Christ. Look, in verse 11, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are to use our gifts to help others. If you are in a rut and need help getting out of it, sometimes the best thing you can do is ask, ask somebody for help. And the thing is, is if people have a gift and they're using it for God's glory, they are going to want to help. And you've got a nice family right here that wants to help each other. Amen? So, we want to help each other. A great idea is an accountability partner in order to just stay out of those ruts in the first place even. Um, That way you can keep each other on track. So whether it's a spouse, a friend, a family member, um, just keeping each other on track and saying, you know what, how's your faith? How's this? How's that? How's how's such and such going in your life? Those can be big. Those can be big encouragements for for us as we as we navigate this life because we're not meant to do it alone. Okay. Sometimes after we've been in the rut, sometimes we need a swift kick in the pants. Right. My, I was, I think of I think of Timothy. Right. Timothy is all always known as being. No. Well, yeah, but. Timid Timothy, right? How he's uh, he was always, you know what? Do I do I do this? Do I? I'm on the fence. I don't know. But then, what does what does Paul do? He writes First Timothy, and then he writes Second Timothy. He's writing writing the writing to Timothy in these letters. You know what, Timothy? I'm going to light a fire underneath you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you back on track. And you know what, Timothy wasn't so timid after that. We find in Hebrews 13, Timothy ended up in jail, and it was for his faith. Okay? So, sometimes we just need a swift kick in the pants. I think of this literally growing up. I was part of the spanking generation. Um, you can laugh if you want to. I don't, I don't know. But um, my parents, they're all, they're, their thing was after the discipline happened, all right, after the emotions had calmed down a little bit, it was always, you know, we're doing this because we love you. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> so 
I didn't understand it then, but oh, do I understand it now? We're just doing this because we love you. That is what the theme, that is what we are to do. That is the, that is the theme we are to wrap the, our, our involvement in, is doing things in love. Galatians 5.13 tells us, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. If we're not doing things in love, saying things in love, thinking things in love, it's not to be done. It's not to be said. It's not to be thought. So we want to get involved and in doing so in a loving way. Jesus tells us in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's always going to be more work to be done than there are laborers to do it, all right? So we need to get involved. We need to see a need. If we see the need, you fill it, all right? If you don't see any needs, ask if there are any, all right? And get involved. And I was thinking about, you know, ruts versus routines last off to to close here. And we have our routines in our lives. We We have work to go to. We have... We have different, different obligations that we have to fulfill. Um, but just the importance of not confusing your rut, a rut that may, 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 may develop versus a routine. Remember, ruts don't start off as, they start off as flat ground, but you, you wear that way in there. Um, routine is, you know, for example, my, my job, Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30, give or take a little if I get out early or late. Um, that's where I'm going to be. That's my routine, all right? But that's not necessarily a rut. However, if you are in a rut, you may need to change up your routine. So whether that's, whether that's you're spiritually in a rut, all right, I need to get up earlier. I need to commit, commit, more, time to, commit more time to my Savior, reading his word, um, praying to him, communicating with him. So those are two separate things, but we can often get in a, get in a rut by having, by having a routine that is consistent, but they're, they're two separate things. So in closing, again, we want to live a life of intention, of intention, all right? Get uncomfortable out there, okay? And number three, get involved. Get involved with other people, all right? And doing everything with love, all right? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, as, we, as we close in prayer, Lord, we just thank you for being able to open up your word and just dive into your truth. Um, we just pray that as we, as we go, our, go our separate ways and come back this evening or wherever, life, wherever our life takes us this week, that we would be, we would be looking to use, use our faith as, as a way to move mountains, Lord, for you, Lord. And we know that this world is not our home. We're here temporarily. We just pray that we would focus on the prize and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.